Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 104 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me. We've got some great content prepared for all of you listeners, and we wanted to thank you, too. We're starting to get a lot of traction on our little promotion that we did. Kurt, the iTunes reviews are coming in, as you know. I've been sending those over to you. The offer still stands. Go ahead and go over to iTunes and leave Maximize Your Influence a review and we will give you a subscription to Persuasion University or University Persuasion. What's it called, Kurt? Should I know what it's called? <laughs> It'd probably be a helpful yeah. thing. It's universityofpersuasion.com. <laughs> if you want more information, it's awesome, packed full of tips. and You'll get a 52-week program that will walk you through every aspect of what we've talked on this show and more. And more. More being like that? a free coaching <laughs> session with That's us right. about your business. No strings attached. Do you want to know what an outside persuasion expert thinks of your persuasion process? Then go ahead, leave us a review. We'll tell you. It's very helpful. Some people don't want to feel the pain. Other people are really curious to know where they stand. We can tell you this, though. You'll be better off for it, whether you're a persuasion pro or you're a rookie. We can help you. So just go to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Love it. Hate it. Neutral. We're just looking for reviews here. You know, quantity, not quality, right? <laughs> well, if you could choose, quality and quantity is what we want. I think it's kind quality, of assumed you have right? to choose one or the other, don't you? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that on the show and applied it to food buffets where, mm. you know, it's it's a quantity thing and kind of grown past that personally. <laughs> yeah, after a while, it's like, no, I'm just going to take the quality. Yep, you got to take the quality. So uh, here we are. We've got some good information ready for you guys today, and we want to start it with a geeky article. Kurt, do what you do best and what you love to do, and hit the... All right, Urkel, give it to us. <laughs> there he is. There's Urkel. Gotta love him. <laughs> he actually doesn't look like such a dork when he doesn't try to. Uh, Steve Urkel. Jaleel White, I think, is his name. Well, he's in another sitcom now, isn't he? What? That's Has news he... to me. I think it is. Uh, I was watching the other night. I'm like, he looks familiar. Better off dead or death tell you part, something like that. <laughs> oh, no way. We're going to have to find that and link to it. So, listeners, if you know what show it is or if I'm just up in the night, let us know. We'd like to figure this one out because we might be able to get some new sounds from the new Urkel or whatever his new name is. I'll make you a wager, Kurt, because I know how much you love the Urkel and, and hitting that button. <laughs> if he really does have a new sitcom, we can scrap the Urkel. If you know, if you find something better, it has to be geeky. It has to be nerdy. Okay, but if he doesn't, we're sticking with Urkel. All right, let's do it. All right, horrible wager made and recorded for everybody to uh, witness. So, let's move on here. We were going to talk about word choice on the show today because word choice is something that can just creep into your vocabulary. You start using words that aren't very effective as a persuader. And before you know it, you're using them all the time and you don't know, but your prospects do. And it's something that you have to constantly pay attention to. I do it. I get words creeping into my vocabulary that are not good for the persuasion process. So that was kind of the theme of the show today. So the article really gelled with it. I like to get articles from Newser and this one titled, 
quote, sinister kids book makes children conk out. So apparently there's <laughs> sinister. a yeah, it's sinister. <laughs> there's a word right there. If it makes children conk out, what is sinister about that? I don't understand. <laughs> Unless it's using some type of hammer or something like that, that would be sinister. But but if it just innocently <laughs> makes them conk out, how about angelic kids book makes children conk out? Isn't that there better? There you go. It changed the word a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about verbal packaging. But here we go. A new children's book isn't written just for kids. It's written to make them fall asleep and fast. Author Carl Johan Forsen Erlen, a Swedish behavioral psychologist says he filled the rabbit who wants to fall asleep with psychological reinforcement techniques to make young listeners doze off in minutes. <laughs> Quote, <laughs> these techniques are formed in a way to help the child relax, fall asleep faster, and sleep calmer every night. The tale gives suggestions to the child's unconscious mind to sleep. Not only does protagonist Roger the Rabbit, I don't know why he's getting away with that, encounter characters like Sleep Snail, Heavy-Eyed Owl, and Uncle Yawn, <laughs> But parent oh, readers are instructed to yawn often and speak italicized words in a calm and slow manner, the Telegraph reports. Think it's bizarre? Well, it's the first self-published book to top Amazon's bestseller list. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of NLP. Read it nice and quietly, listeners. Go to sleep. There you go. Oh, sleep. They Uncle forgot to uh, go to sleep now or else bear. Add it to their animals. <laughs> Go to sleep now or else bear. <laughs> yeah, so you got to have a little NLP plus, all right, come on, it's time. <laughs> yeah, fear or really dragon, works well. For... Or monster, sleep yeah. right now or else monster, although you don't want to plant the seed of the monster under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be interesting to do some kind of a trial. Are kids really going to sleep faster and staying asleep longer due to Roger the Rabbit, copyright, Warner Brothers Studios? Yeah. yeah. Or uh, waking up in the middle of the night screaming type, see what's really happening with it. They may be going to bed, but they could be screaming out in the middle of the night and end up in your bed, so it might not be the best case scenario. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see more studies on that. Yeah, the book guarantees they'll go to sleep and stay asleep. So if they're waking up terrorized, then uh, let me get them back. <laughs> From sleep now or else dragon, that could be a problem. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Although I'm actually yawning right now. There you go, just talking about this. It's the sleepy-eyed owl or whatever. They say that that yawn thing is the most uh, contagious. Uncle Yawn. Just the mere mention of Uncle Yawn has me wanting to conk out. So So Maybe you should have like a podcast that has a nap in the middle. Is that what you're encouraging us to do? Well, I think that's why they tune in. I think if we took a nap on the podcast right now, it might be an upgrade over some of the episodes. (laughs) Well, it wouldn't offend anybody, so that would be good. (laughs) Yeah, we wouldn't. I guess not. Somehow we managed to do that still. So let's move it on. Everybody's getting nice and dozed off and nice and relaxed due to the heavy-eyed owl. And we're going to talk about verbal packaging today because apparently it works. The word choice works. How you understand the world around you is all based on words. And I think if you speak a foreign language, you understand this. Kurt, you speak Portuguese, and there are phrases and words in Portuguese that when you try to translate them directly over to English, it's just awkward. It doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work, and when you try to take your English words in your head and translate them, it's always the wrong word, and someone gets easily offended. Mm-hmm. Even worse, when you take an English word and add like an OS or something to it and make it sound Spanish or Portuguese, then it could have a completely different meaning. Yeah, so it goes to show you that the way you you learn words, the way you learn vocabulary, is associated with experiencing and feeling the words. And that's how you can understand their meaning, and that's why they're so powerful in the persuasion context. 
is because of the feeling that comes along with them to the degree that sometimes they just don't go over to another language. There's not a way to explain that. So that's that kind of grid that we all are operating on and that we all understand things based on. And that being said, some of them... Well, that brings up, if you remember, the Chevy Nova Awards. Oh, yeah, those are great. (laughs) Nova meant doesn't go in South America or... The Coors campaign, Turn It Loose, was suffer from diarrhea, which is not good for beer sales. Well, sometimes you just feel like you want to turn it loose. You know what I mean? Yeah, Turn It Loose or the Got Milk campaign <laughs> in Spanish was Are You Lactating, which is not really good or probably the worst one. And there's really no words involved in this. They didn't know what to do. But in Africa, whatever is on the – because a lot of people can't read. What is ever on the jar or in the picture is what's in the can. And when Gerber Baby Food went over there and had pictures of babies on a – bottle didn't turn out very well no matter what country you're in <laughs> that's not gonna fly yeah that does not work and so we use lots of blunders there but you're right translation is a whole nother set of verbal packaging blunders and so we're we're obviously talking english here although we've actually got some listener mail from what was it venezuela or colombia i sent you that mm-hmm. so we had listeners in venezuela and colombia or or somewhere in the vicinity now that i've offended the venezuelans and colombians so <laughs> yeah, you watch out for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a reputation in Colombia. Yeah, you have a package at your door. So uh, yeah, make it nice. <laughs> yeah. So with English being the backdrop here, there are some words. Maybe like eighty episodes ago, we touched on this. But there are some words that you don't want to use, no matter what. There are some that you can use sometimes, but some never ever. What would some of those be, Kurt? Well. Not talking about profanity, but I don't offend most your audience. But when you're in the workplace, there's a long list of words that you probably need to stay away from. I mean, there's the just basic words we all use, and there's the words we use in the business world. For example, in the business world, we don't use contract. That's a bad word. We use agreement. We don't say sign here. We say, okay, the paperwork. We don't say cancellation. We say write a rescission. We don't say salesperson, it's business consultant. We don't say commissions, we say fee for services. When they say what's the cost, we say, well, the investment is. Instead of credit card, form of payment, instead of objection, area of concern, and we can go on and on. We're not the most expensive, we're top of the line, we're not the cheapest, we're the most economical. They don't have problems, they're challenges. And a new one is setting appointment. People can't grasp that because they think of their doctor and waiting and a few things, so drop by, time to visit. And the challenge seems to be is that we're stuck in this world. We hear it every day. It doesn't phase us. But when you're talking to a new client, a new customer, or a prospect, this is new to them. And a lot of the words you use, and, and remember this, every word you use will attract or repel people. And you have to understand exactly how it works. Even the word but. Now, you could strategically use that within your persuasive presentation. But for the most part, but will negate everything you just said. And I'm sure a lot of the gentlemen on our call have slept on the couch when they said something like, you look great tonight, dear, but... <laughs> It just negated what you just said. So there's words that you can and can't use in any aspect, any presentation that you need to be very, very careful of. Okay, great. So do we replace those with some specific words? I I think you could probably use but to your advantage in some cases when you're talking about your competition, right? Absolutely. If you need to negate, yeah, they are a great company, but (laughs) you could negate it that way. Absolutely. But for the most part, people don't think about that. So don't use but, use and or however, but if you strategically want to use it, but can be a great word and really help you out with what you're working on. I was thinking that in today's day and age where as a persuader, your prospects want you to be more objective. 
right? When they feel like you're hustling them and they're being persuaded, they get turned off. But when they feel like you're just giving them good information so they can make a decision, then that's what they want. And if you can't bring up the competition at all, or if you can't honestly say, hey, they have this merit or that merit, which they just, they very well might, then you're looked at as less objective. So saying that, well, you are correct, XYZ competitor has an, an excellent way of doing such and such. But what we found, see, then you've been able to look objective, but also kind of plant that subconscious landmine, haven't you? Exactly. And so that builds credibility using the right words in the right place. And another one that could hurt credibility as we're talking about that is the famous weasel words that you've heard that term before. And the fascinating thing about that is it comes from weasels. I don't know if anybody has a pet weasel. Well, offend the weasel owners here, if that's even a thing. But a weasel sneaks into a chicken coop. It finds an egg. It just leaves the egg there. It sucks everything out of the egg and leaves this empty, hollow egg there with nothing in it. So a weasel word is something that's empty and hollow. And this can hurt your credibility quite a bit, especially when it gets on their radar when you say things like, well, helps, may, possibly, almost, about, approximately, hopefully, might, supposedly, are all words that could hurt your credibility as you're really taking a look at each word that you use. You've got to consider the education level of your audience, right? I think for quite a while, that language of up to and... As much as, right? Mm -hmm. That worked for a while, but I th people are pretty much wise to that now. They are, and they've heard it so much. I think a lot of those infomercials or commercials where they're just putting in these words where it is now legal, but it's still persuasive. We're catching on to that, and we're starting to hear those words more and more, and they're registering in our logical mind. So we've got some words that are going to definitely trip you up. Are there words that are more powerful? I think there have been. Maybe some of them are wearing off, but... What are you seeing as the trend lately as to words that really get people to wake up? It's interesting that they come and shift as far as the power words and what aren't power words. It used to be the word free was just the word that would outpull all the other words. But now we know that that's probably the first word that gets picked up in spam filters, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we see powerful words like discover and results and wealth. New always pulls well, guarantee pulls well, transform work really well when you're using it in the right way. Two big words that always work time and time again is the word fact. You know, the facts are, the mm -hmm. facts show, the facts remain. And I don't know if we've talked about the studies about the word because. If you want a word that's a power word that triggers a subconscious mind, it is the word because. And the studies from Harvard, actually, on that word is a powerful thing. It really, really works. That's the study with the copies. Yeah. I think that's worth repeating here. Sure. So Elaine Langer, she's from Harvard, and she studies word and word choice, and it's fascinating to see the words that people use and how it affects them. So she goes to the library at Harvard and tries to cut in line at the photocopier, and she tries different words and combination of words to see which one pulls better. The first time she says, can I cut in line? I'm in a rush. And about 60% let her in. Next time around, she says, excuse me, I cut in line because I'm in a rush. Now, we all know we just added one word, and that word was the word because, because that's a subconscious trigger word. We're thinking, you're going to give us a valid reason no matter what, and it jumped from 60% to 94%, which is a huge jump. And here's where it gets really interesting. The third time around, she says, excuse me, may I cut in line because I need to make some copies? Well, duh. Why else would she be there? It didn't matter. They'd already said yes. Before they realized what happened, she was making copies. 
But the power word was the word because, and she's done numerous studies on word and word choice and how they affect the brain and how they affect our evaluations. It's a powerful science. So it almost makes everything that comes after it more legitimate. She could have said, can I cut in line because the grass is green? Oh, okay. You said because, right? (laughs) You process really fast and it's usually the first part of the sentence. And she did another interesting one with, a photo of a basketball player, and she showed it to people. Remember, this is a photo. It was just the basketball player. In the first group, she wanted to say, hey, estimate the height of this basketball player. How tall is he? And the other group was, how short is he? And it was a 12-inch difference in estimation just by that word she used. Wow. Wow. It just goes to show that we don't know what to think by ourselves. We have to rely on this word choice and this feeling, and our subconscious mind tells us what to do. That's exactly right. We don't realize that every word will attract or repel, and we should strategically look at our emails, at our presentations, not wing it. And again, the huge blunder here is that you use them every day. They don't affect you. They're part of you, your company, your dialogue, your word choice. You use them all the time. It doesn't affect you and your coworkers, but somebody from the outside that comes in, and here's the word. It could repel them. It could have the wrong effect. Let me run something by you, and I didn't talk to you about this. I wonder what your thoughts are. I subscribe to an online forum for a a college football team. I'm a little bit obsessed with this particular (laughs) team, as you know. And I was reading an article, and and one of the guys that writes for the website does these video interviews frequently with ESPN and Fox News and and things like that. And they'll ask him questions about the program and, and how it's going. And at the end of the interview, they say, hey, thank you for your time. And he always says, no problem. Well, on the forum, somebody made this suggestion to him. They said, hey, don't say no problem. Say my pleasure. And I, was, I got a little huffy about it. I was like, you guys are kind of wound tight. What's the big deal? And I started thinking, is that because they're suggesting that no problem implies that, well, there may have been one? Is there a subconscious thing at play there? And instead saying my pleasure is better. Have you ever heard anyone nitpick that phrase? <laughs> That is nitpicky, but there is some validity to that, to where you say no problem. We've talked about embedded commands before, where to the command is, yeah, it's a problem. You know, I got through it type thing versus my pleasure. There's no way to misinterpret that. So most people aren't misinterpreting that, but then there's the few that might say, oh, yeah, this and that. It might be a subconscious trigger. They might have the wrong feeling after that. So for the majority, not a big deal. But if you're looking about adding one, two, three, four percent, Every time you adjust a word, it makes a big difference in your whole presentation. Yeah, that's right. You're saying that there's no problem, but by the fact that you're saying it subconsciously, are you drawing attention to the fact that, well, there could have been one? What did I miss here, right? Yeah, there could have been a problem. You are a problem. You're the problem. And it was a challenge to interview you. Why did I interview you, right? You don't even want to plant the seeds and let it go there. Even though most people won't go there, some people will. Yeah, you're right. 95 people out of 100 don't care. They understand that the phrase just means, hey, I'm happy to help you, right? But there's a few that will call you on it. It reminds me of a blunder that we talked about uh, quite a while back. There was a grocery store by my house, and the shirts that the employees were wearing said, I can fix that. And I, I just for me, I think most people didn't care. They just viewed it as, oh, these guys are ready to help. And I'm going, what's the problem? Why why's everything got to be fixed here? What's going on, right? <laughs> it, it was a hang-up for me. But like you said, add that 1%, 2 or 3% conversion rate over the year by replacing a couple of phrases that might offend or, or subconsciously sabotage some of your prospects. So it's worth doing. You got to pay attention to these words. 
It's so important. And it's the little things that people don't even think about. They always say if. That's not persuasive. Say when. They say try. Don't say try. Say will. Don't say could. Say can. Don't say hope. Say guarantee. I mean, if we look at these words and become wordsmiths, makes a huge difference. Again, it might just be a little bit here, a little bit there, but if every word matters, it makes a big difference in your ability to persuade. We had an article on the show a while back that seemed to refute a little bit about what we're talking about here that said that sometimes profanity is good. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> uh, talking about that article? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. yeah is, it, is it ever good? Well, if I was speaking to a truckers convention, they were going to offend the truckers now. <laughs> I'm sure they'll send us <laughs> You, you might want to use it. Yeah. It would depend. And that's the thing. Profanity is one of the things where maybe 40% of the audience doesn't care. They actually like it. They use it. They've mastered it. But when you're dealing to a mass audience, I would never touch it. Now, if somebody's one-on-one -on -one and they're well-versed in the world of profanity and you can drop a few bombs here and there and it connects you, I guess I don't have a challenge with that. But when you're dealing with the masses, you've got to shoot down the middle and that's why we don't use profanity. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion and other things in our presentations because just at one shot, you've offended half your audience. And if you do all three, you probably have offended 90% of your audience. Right, right. Well, word choice certainly does matter. Have you ever seen that YouTube channel called Bad Lip Reading? <laughs> Is that where they add somebody else's voice or other words to a person's video or something? They'll, yeah, they'll just analyze the lips of the person and they'll just put complete gibberish. So it actually looks like they're saying it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll post it on the blog when we post this show, but these guys do a great job. They recently did the Republican debate oh, of, of bad lip reading. So <laughs> I was commenting with one of my friends. We were watching this, and we're going, man, when it's politics, they do the bad lip reading. This gibberish they put in these coming out of these candidates' mouths, a lot of times it just makes more sense, and it's a lot more relatable <laughs> than what they said in real life. <laughs> probably true. They should do that for all politicians. Just, well, this is what they really meant. Yeah, yeah. what they said. This is what they really meant, and that would make life a lot easier for us. <laughs> yeah, they verbally packaged it, and here's what they really wanted to say. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Have brain scans. Yeah, this is a lie. This is what they really meant. Oh, that would be valuable if we could invent <laughs> that technology. Yeah. We've had some bad ideas on the show, but this might actually be a good one. <laughs> yeah, get on that one. Yeah. Make it happen. No problem. Brain scanner coming right up. <laughs> uh, sincerity detector. So anything else on verbal packaging you want to add before we get to the ninja? Ooh, before the ninja? Well, let's have some fun with this. Every word you could really package and have more meaning. And my favorite one is we don't call people dumb or stupid. There's really no zing in that anymore. we got to verbally package it. So this is probably the most important thing you're going to learn all year on the podcast, or at least this podcast. So instead of calling somebody dumb or stupid, we can verbally package. How about dumber than a box of hair? <laughs> okay. Got into the gene pool when the lifeguard wasn't watching. Yeah. Sharp as a marble. Forgot to pay his brain bill. <laughs> and uh, studied for a blood test and failed. <laughs> Or how about the gates are down, the lights are flashing, but the train isn't coming? Or my all-time favorite, the wheel is spinning, but the hamster's dead. Yeah. So it's not just the word. It's the packaging. It's how we say it. It's the words we put together that really make our message come alive for people. And again, I have to say this again. Every word you use is either going to attract or repel the prospect that you're talking to. That's true. So – Go through this. Go through the the words that Kurt talked about on the show today. Are you using some of them in your presentation? You've got to you got to get those out. A great place, and here's a, a shameless plug segue. 
a great place to get that list. If you don't own Kurt's book, Maximum Influence, you really should own it. Available on Amazon.com. Good plug. Yeah. Here we go. And in the chapter on verbal packaging, there's a whole list of the good words, the bad words. I remember I printed that list out once and just pasted it by my computer. So I'm on the phone with prospects. And you'd be surprised how often you'd catch yourself saying some of these bad persuasion words. And then it also forces you to start to get some of the good ones in there. For example, replacing if with when. This is a very valuable way to do that. So I think that's a good place to get that list. It is. And sometimes recruit the people around you. If they hear you saying those words and everyone holds each other accountable, you'd be amazed at what you can change and shift this week. Yep. There you go. Why don't we queue up the ninja? Oh, ninja. Give it to us. Here we go. This is a quick and simple, easy ninja. And when we talk about ninjas, obviously you got to consider the audience because what might be a ninja to somebody may not necessarily be a ninja to somebody else. But uh, it's back to school time, right, Kurt? Are your kids off to the government babysitter? Yeah, that's a great verbal packaging right there. They are off, and they are trying to deal with the transition of having a wonderful summer with not a lot of care. So like, oh, man, it's back. It's back. Now you have to be (laughs) responsible. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is off to school, and we live in a very quickly growing area. The elementary school next to our house is overwhelmed. They have too many students, and so they had to bring in a trailer. I was in a trailer when I was in elementary school for part of the time. And so they brought this trailer in, and I've noticed they've started calling it, and they they actually have the kids calling it the learning cottage. (laughs) (laughs) The learning cottage. There you go. That is verbal packaging. (laughs) Yep. So the kids are off to the learning cottage, and I've noticed my daughter's coming home, and that's how she refers to it. And she's not mm-hmm. having this attitude of dumb trailer. I got to go to school on a trailer. It's, oh, we got the learning cottage. She's happy about it because they told her how to feel about it based on what they decided to call it. So uh, <laughs> the, the parents, we're all, we're all on to it. We know what's going on. We don't care. But it's working like a charm with the kids. And that's a ninja in my book. I've tried something like that before on a college level where the students whine and complain about having a final, having a final. So I changed the name to a celebration of knowledge, which gives me a chuckle. And I have fun with it, but they see right through it. Yeah, celebration of knowledge. <laughs> it sounds good. It's a lot of fun. I think that's where we're going here. Where I think the kids have buy-in on this. The adults are like, okay, cottage versus trailer. But if the kids like it and it works for them and they're happy, I guess we'll give them the ninja. We'll give them the ninja. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, everybody, like I said at the beginning of the show today, the offer still stands. Leave us your reviews on iTunes. I think you can do it on Windows Marketplace and uh, TuneIn and Stitcher. We're available on all of those, too. And we've talked about a ninja in the past, some of these car companies that are getting TuneIn built into their uh, their apps on their car. So you can listen to us via TuneIn when you're just driving around. Got to maximize your influence. So there's another shameless plug, which we've been known to do. So... That's it for the day. Comments, questions, remarks to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week on another episode. See you next week, and persuade with power. 